This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, alternative media for discerning minds. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members for your loyalty and support. Without you, this program would not have been possible. Tonight's special guest by popular demand is Sean David Morton. This episode is over three hours long. We discuss the past, present, and the future. Sean has been the number one guest for 18 years on Coast to Coast AM. In addition, you may have seen, heard, or read information about Sean being charged by the Securities and Exchange Commission. In this exclusive interview, Sean gives us his side of his story. You decide. Sean David Morton will be with us shortly. To listen to tonight's three-hour interview with Sean David Morton and all our inventory of programs, become a member. You will receive instant access to all of them. And remember, Veritas survives on your voluntary subscriptions only. Just visit our website, veritasshow.com, click on the subscribe link, and take Veritas with you. 
you can now download the latest show via the iTunes link. That simple. And as promised, Season 2 of The Veritas Show is now available in our futuristic 8GB metal case USB drive. It includes all episodes for Season 2, including the bonus segments we did, all the bumper music, and bonus material, including some NASA footage that was supposed to be returned to them. I just received the shipment, so go ahead and place your order. Season 1 is still for sale. You can save on shipping when you purchase both seasons. Go to the very test store to purchase. And don't forget and get your MMS right from us. If you don't know what MMS is, go to our past shows link and find an interview with Jim Humble. Jim Humble versus the FDA. And you'll find out what MMS is. And if you're looking for health supplements, our new source offers the best pricing you can find. Just visit the link on our homepage. Look for your favorite product and compare. No matter how much you order, your shipping charge will be $5.95 for domestic orders. They also ship internationally. Well, many of you outside of the United States have written saying you were not able to watch my appearance on the History Channel's Brat Meltzer's Decoded, the 2012 episode. I believe someone posted it on YouTube. But the links are also at our forum. You can also watch my segment wherever you are around the world on our website. Go to the Veritas TV link and you will see the link right there. If you need to get in touch with me, just go to our website and click on the contact button and join me on Facebook. And now, get ready to spend a night with someone who can discuss a plethora of topics ranging from the paranormal, the economy, geopolitics, future predictions, you name it. Sean David Morton can discuss it. And he's coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. John Major Jenkins, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Sean David Morton first came to national attention with his investigation into Area 51 and his accurate predictions regarding the 1989 San Francisco earthquake. He later went on to successfully predict the 92 Landers, the 94 Northridge, and the 95 Kobe Japan earthquakes. In order to get his amazingly accurate predictions out to the world, Sean formed the Prophecy Research Institute in 1992. In the early 1980s, Sean and Dr. Elizabeth Targ pioneered many of the current techniques used in remote viewing today. Sean is a skilled and experienced remote viewer and has taught remote viewing in seminars all over the world. He has been a freelance writer, producer, and investigative reporter on television programs such as Sightings, Strange Universe, and Hard Copy. Sean is an independent feature film writer, director, and author. 
And directly from Southern California, I would like to introduce for the first time on Veritas, Sean David Morton. Hello, Sean, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hi, Mel. Thank you very, very much. And let me let me start out with a compliment for you. I saw you on a television program, uh, Brad Metzer's Decoded, and uh, quite frankly, you were the best thing on the program. You were the you were one of the few people that actually was very clear and very concise and made sense. And uh, you were towards the end of the show, and it was worth watching the entire program just to see you there talking about talking about your research. And and uh, did they come up to Montreal? To sh- are you in Montreal? No, that looks like Montreal, but it's actually downtown LA. Oh, it is. Okay, all right. Well, they had you on a, a rooftop somewhere, and it looked. Uh, uh, anyway, you, uh, you yeah, it was it was very nice to see you on that program. And like I said, you made some sense of it. And and all I can tell you is that I have I I, I never hear anything but fabulous things about the show, uh, and about the kind of things that you're doing. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And for years, I, uh, I've been listening to Coast to Coast AM, and uh, I used to listen to you all the time. So I'm glad that we have you on. Sean, a lot of our listeners have been asking me to interview you for a long time, and I'm glad we have you on. But there may be some people around the world who may not know who you are. Okay. To give them a better perspective, give us some background of yourself and what events shape the Sean you are today. Well, just, just in brief, to not get too far into it, it was just one of the things where... Uh, I've I've I'd always been interested in the spiritual and the paranormal. Uh, my I know that the resume that you read there, the CV, is, has more to do with uh, the TV things that I've done and investigative things that I've done and the predictive things that I've done. But uh, uh, I we started out Catholics and then became Lutherans and then we became fundamentalist born again Christians and studying all the uh, uh, fundamentalist kind of Southern Baptist Bible stuff. And uh, then I became interested in, in astrology and, and various, uh, various predictive sciences. When I was 19 years old, I lived with a, a Swami that was from the Himalaya Mountains, Swami Srijaya. We lived together for a summer, studied yoga and, and palmistry and, and uh, Hindu mysticism. Uh, in 1986, I I'd actually, when I'd gotten out of, I, I graduated from the University of Southern California uh, with a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree, a degree in political science, and I was a semester away from degrees in organic chemistry and astronomy. When I got out of USC, uh, I had sold a script to the television show Buck Rogers. The, the show was canceled before the script was ever produced. I became very good friends with Gene Roddenberry at the time, um, uh, and, and Gene had actually known my father, and I'd known my, my dad was the public relations director for a huge aerospace company called uh, called TRW, which was later bought by Northrop Grumman. So I grew up with uh, all the astronauts from the Apollo and the Gemini and Mercury programs. Uh, Gus Grissom was very much like a, a second father to me, and he was killed on Apollo huh. 1. Uh, my yes. little brother's godfather is Gene Cernan, who was the last man on the moon. But, I mean, I knew oh, all wow. the astronauts. Gordon Cooper used to sleep on our couch, and so they were always around the house. In fact, my father, with uh, Wally Schirra, actually started a, a, a club just for the astronauts in the aerospace industry, which became known as the very famous uh, International Turtle Club. And the uh, and Walter Cronkite was a member. So, I mean, we knew all these. I grew up with Hollywood celebrities and and doing uh, charity events and whatever else. And then uh, my, my parents were divorced, and then I moved up to Northern California, where my mother remarried a, a very wealthy uh, uh, Jewish businessman, my stepfather, Frank Salomon. And uh, once again, we were involved in, in behind the scenes with politics, and we became good friends with people like you know Eldridge Cleaver and, and uh, uh, people that were in the uh, you know kind of political movement at the time uh, up there. My mother later became president of the National Health Federation for forty for thirty seven years or so, and my 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 stepdad financed most of the alternative cancer clinics 
actually in uh, in Mexico. So we pioneered alternative cancer treatments in the United States and worked to get everything from, you know, chiropractics to naturopaths, you know, all the things that you guys have in Canada that, uh, you know, everybody thinks is perfectly fine, but uh, uh, but are, we're not accepted here. And, I, and my mother actually ran for vice president of the United States in 1984, and we started an alternate political party called the Populist Party at, at that time. Um, I made a great deal of money using my, uh, my predictive abilities to be able to predict the stock market at the time when I actually uh, got out of school. Uh, I'd actually asked my dad to set up a college fund for me of like $5,000 worth of gold coins when it was $32 an ounce, and then I basically paid my way through college because when I was going to school way back in the day, gold was about $850 an ounce. So that pretty much paid for my college education. Then I started investing in stocks, and I bought stock in companies like uh, King World Syndicate. I was one of the first people to predict, really, that Oprah Winfrey was going to be as, as, as huge, uh, famously, not physically, as she is. And uh, I saw a tape of her and said, this is the future of TV, and I bought a massive amount of stock in a company called King World Syndication uh, three months mm-hmm. before Oprah, Jeopardy!, and Wheel of Fortune went on the air. And, of course, they've been on the air 25-plus years ever since. And I invested in nightclubs, and I was in a, I had a, I had restaurants and nightclubs and whatever else. And then I just got sick of the fast-paced lifestyle in Los Angeles and watched what it did to a lot of my friends. And uh, you know, never being a person that ever touched like drugs or alcohol or whatever else, and I watched everybody just be destroyed by it around me. And you know, I was the guy that was working, trying to keep everything up. So I basically just just bagged it all, and and rented out my house and packed a bag and a stick and and went to went to India. Went to Ireland, went to went to uh, uh, England, went to India, and then spent uh, the better part of eight months or so at a uh, at a monastery in Nepal uh, called Tang Bache. And um, I had a meeting with the Dalai Lama. I actually worked at the orphanage in Dharamsala uh, for a few months before the Dalai Lama then left for a big European tour, tour. Had a meeting with the Dalai Lama, and I said, I don't feel my journey's over. He said, go here to this monastery in Nepal. So I went. Uh, and they they let me stay at the monastery. They 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 claimed that I had some past life connection to the monastery, and now I, now I was back, and and they were expecting me, and and uh, I was a novitiate there, uh, and then came home. And after I came home, I I went back to working as a not only working as a disc jockey, but also trying to help people and counsel people. Eventually, got my PhD in therapeutic counseling, and um, uh, since then I've been working in the film and television industry. I've had a uh, yeah, I've done some movies. had a had a national radio show called Strange Universe on Talk Radio Network when uh, when Art Bell was actually bought by Premier. I took over his old gig on his old network, and uh, so ever since then, I've I've been basically as I began to focus more on the planet, and as I began to dive deeper into my my practice and my meditative states, I, I started I started getting these strange feelings about things that were going to occur. And um, I was involved in the uh, way back in the 1970s, uh, and this was just one or two times. But when I was in high school, uh, we had some some advanced placement classes over at Stanford University, and we were involved in some of the original experiments that had to do with uh, what was later known as as remote viewing. And years later, I was I was dating and living with for a period of time uh, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Targ, who is Russell Targ's daughter. And Elizabeth and I, and Russell was one of the people that developed uh, RV, and we got involved kind of in a group that was that was originally called the Delphi Associates, which was a, a group of, of remote viewers that were being used to predict the price of silver at that time. And then years later, we got a group of people, and there was actually a whole Stanford study that was doc- done for Dr. James Spottiswood's Ph.D. 
on remote viewing and the predicting the outcome of random number generators, specifically roulette wheels. And we had about an 80% success rate with doing that. And uh, so I was there at the cutting edge of everything that was going on uh, as far as as far as EST, as far as uh, remote viewing, as far as my putting my spin on it and teaching uh, spiritual remote viewing classes. And then, and then when the earthquake predicting began, I came up with a technique using, using maps, basically, to uh, begin to pinpoint where certain uh, events and anomalies were going to occur. And my first big prediction was the, uh, the San Francisco earthquake in 1989, where I jumped up and down and tried to warn a lot of people. Actually, on October 1st, took a group of people to Mount Shasta, California, because I believe that you could use Mount Shasta as a vortex to control much of the much of the energy frequencies of Northern California, and uh, I'm sure that people just thought I was completely crazy when I was up there, and and there was a lot of counterintention that was involved. But the quake actually hit right where I said it was going to hit, within 60 miles of downtown San Francisco on October 17th, and I'd been all over, you know, yelling and screaming about it. And then when I started actually publishing my newsletter back in, I, I wrote a I wrote a manuscript called The Millennium Factor in, in September of 1992, and there was a whole body of predictions that came true, like Ross Perot reentering the presidential race, uh, you know, Bill Clinton winning by only 46% of the vote, you know, you know, all these political and physical predictions. But there were certain timelines that were shifting and changing, and when I started publishing my Delphi Associates newsletter in 93, it gave me a place to actually put in print my predictions to say, okay, this is what I said, this is where I was right, this is where I was wrong, this is where to try to be as, as transparent about it as possible, which, of course, you know, really began to piss off the critics because I could point and hit something with a stick and say, well, I didn't just say this and make up a bunch of stuff after the fact. I wrote it down. Here it is. Here's the specific prediction. And um, so as the newsletter evolved throughout the years, um, it became, a, a, you know, obviously a, a, source of, a source of concern for the critics because I could literally point to things and say, well, not only did I say it on the radio, and here's the recording of it, but you know, here's the you know, here's the prediction. So, as the newsletter went on, there was a body of predictions that were going on here, and then I got involved with, uh, uh, gosh, this is going on for a while. In 1990, I, I did a, I was involved with a, a documentary about UFO contactees, and um, it was one of the most extensive documentaries ever done uh, on the phenomenon. We put together about 600 hours of uh, uh, of uh, interviews with scientists, contactees, abductees, researchers, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, somebody had a dog barked at the UFO. We went out and talked to them. And we were really the first people to really go around the world and do this because we went to, we went up and down Italy. We went up and down Spain. Uh, we were investigating the, you know, the UMO in Italy with uh, uh, Dr. Antonio Rivera, the, uh, 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 the case of Fortunatos and Freda. We went to Billy Meyer's farm in Switzerland where we became good friends with him and good friends with his son Methuselah, and we went to and we went all over the place, Canada, wherever else. And at the same time, we interviewed a scientist named Bob Lazar, who said, "Well, you don't have to believe what I say. Go out to Area 51, go out to Highway 375, go stand by this marker on a Wednesday night, and you'll see ships test." So a year later, I took a friend of mine who worked for the LA Times, Shannon Sands, and um, you know, we went out there, and and uh, she was in a car with a photographer, and I was with my buddy in another car, and. We basically got buzzed by this UFO. I mean, literally, this thing practically stood on its edge about 50 feet from the car. And we got our faces. We chased after it. We got our faces all burned by it and whatever else. And so I started going out there every couple of weeks. And I found this hilltop that looked down on the base. And then you know, I took Geraldo out there. And I'd done some production on a, a couple of things for a show that he had called uh, called Now It Can Be Told, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, and then sightings came along. And we did. I was one of the producers on the uh, one of the pilot episodes for sightings. So that's kind of how a lot of this uh 
you know, interest in this game along. I'm not a, I'm not an abductee or a contactee or any kind of. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.